Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. I'm Elliot Danker. It is now time for the weekly wrap where we take a look at the top headline of the week. And of course, this has to do with S.S. Warren resigning as transport minister and a member of the People's Action Party. He was charged yesterday with 27 offenses, two of corruption under the Prevention of Corruption Act, one of obstructing justice, and 24 of attaining a valuable thing as a public servant. So, what's next? What's next for West Coast GRC as well? Let's get some analysis. On the line is Dr. Felix Tan, Independent Political Observer. Dr. Felix, good to speak with you again. Hi, good afternoon, Elliot. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, as Iswaran yeah. resigning after being charged with taking bribes, they include football and F1 tickets, total worth about 384000 All this from billionaire Ong Beng Singh, 27 charges in total. This after a probe by CPIB was completed about a week ago. They go back quite a while. How come it takes so long for such a case to develop? Mm. I think first and foremost, uh, I, I think we have to be clear that these are still allegations at this point in time. After all, I think S. Iswaran is saying that you know he's innocent and he will clear his name as well in due course. Right? I, I think it took so long. So looking at the charges, there are up to about 27 over charges and you know with some rather serious offences. So I do believe that, you know, six months, you know, it's a rather decent length of time for CPIB, you know, to probe into the case, to investigate the case, and also to come up with a report. So I think, to be fair, it's a, a reasonable amount of time. And I think given what we are seeing today, or since yesterday, rather, mm, 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 uh, it's quite a huge case moving forward. Okay. So I want to ask, you know, as an independent political observer, what have you heard on the ground? For me, what I heard last night was, and literally in, in full English term, wow, wow, over a few tickets. What have you heard? <laughs> I think what I heard, I mean, it's not just the tickets, but the most important one, the most serious offense, I think a lot of people would, look, I mean, people that I talked to, you know, was about this obstruction of justice. Mm. I think that is important. You know, yeah. besides whether there's a gift or whether you received or you obtained or you accept certain gifts in certain amounts by whoever in the business community, I think leave that aside. Not that they are not serious offences. They are. But I think the important thing here is about the obstruction of justice. I mean, that reflects the kind of, perhaps one could say, a misuse of power. You know, he is person of a certain stature. He, he was a minister before he resigned. He was in politics for 26 years, if I'm not wrong. And I think given someone that, of that sort of experience, you know, in charge of the ministries, I think that is definitely something uh, worthy of looking at. I mean, whether the, he, he received certain amount of tickets, whether he went to watch a Broadway musical or whatever, that's not that's my important again. I think uh, obstruction of justice would be a more serious offence. So I guess a lot of people would have said, oh, you know, him resigning is a bit of like a safe face thing. But correct me if I'm wrong, because you mentioned earlier on, these are still allegations. He's pleaded that he's not guilty. Technically, he doesn't have to resign. Technically, if he's charged as or if he is charged guilty, only after that the PAP can choose to sack him. So this probably is a bit of saving face deciding to resign now. Well, I, 
I think it's also the best way moving forward, you know, to resign, to have a, you know, to be to start from a clean slate. If you're going to defend yourself, if it's proven that he's not guilty of any of these charges and he's innocent eventually, then fine, you know. But, you know, the thing is that it's best to leave political office and let's not tarnish the political office any further. I mean, the outcome could be anyone's imagination at this point in time. And I do not want to prejudge this case and neither should anyone prejudge this case, whatever the charges are at this point in time. So for him to resign is uh, the only, you know, perhaps honest move that he could probably do at this uh, juncture. Another area I was thinking about, and please stop me in my tracks if I'm imagining too much, Dr. Felix, because I watched Man on the Run. Now, I'm not saying that they're related, but you see how uh, the 1MDB case affects the Malaysian ringgit. It's all domino effects. Um, Your thoughts on how uh, Prime Minister Lee has handled this to your past point or your your previous point that, you know, okay, deal with the case on a clean slate, you resign from the PAP. It does help to build or continue to build that investor confidence in our government. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think what PM Lee has done, you know, is a very wise move. The the fact that, you know, he started the investigation, he had no qualms about, you know, going through, you know, letting CBIB to do its work. I think that is a good move. I wouldn't say much comparison or I wouldn't do a comparison with the other parts of Mm. the the other countries in this region as well. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, in Singapore, this sort of case of corruption is really low and I think far and few in, in between, especially someone of this high-profile kind of issue. So, uh, in a way, I think uh, PMD has done, you know, make a good move in, in, in this. Yeah, yeah. I know the thing that stood out for you was the obstruction of justice, but I just wanted to talk about those football and F1 tickets. I mean, sometimes people think that, oh, these are just perks, but uh, a timely reminder that bribery is not just monetary, yeah? Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. And I do not think it's about, you know, these are just perks. I mean, to the lay person, perhaps these are just perks that, you know, it's an exchange of uh, gifts between certain people of certain level, especially in the business community. Perhaps that is very common, you know, this exchange. But we have to be aware that as a civil servant, there are protocols, there is a code of conduct uh, dealing with such, I think, situation where you receive gifts. Not that you can't do so, but the thing is that receiving this good and obtaining these sort of gifts, however and whatever form they come in, there is a cap to it. I think, I, I wouldn't say how much it was. I think that some might say, I've been told there was $50, yeah. okay. right? And okay. below, that's fine. But $50 and above is, you know, you have to declare. Yeah. So I think there are protocols. And yeah. as a civil, civil servant, he should be aware of this, these protocols. So, you know, for, I mean, again, these are allegations. You know, whether he actually... And obtain to accept these uh, these gifts. I think uh, let the court decide yeah. on that. Let the prosecution and the defense, you know, wage it out in the court. Of course, of course, we let the legal system deal with that. And, and mm. I, I guess it's just highlighting that you know it's not so simple. Uh, but one should be able to tell the difference between a F one ticket versus you know like a free quake from the hawker centers <laughs> totally during a walkabout. Totally different situation, right? So there's also the issue of. Uh, 
him saying that he's going to return his MP allowance that he received at the start of mm-hmm. the investigations, uh, July 2023. I believe that was when the suspensions took place. Why do they do it mm-hmm. this way? Why do they still pay out that salary slash allowance instead of mm-hmm. cut it off the moment you're suspended? Oh, I think at that point in time during the investigation, there was no, you know, there was no report. The CCIP is still going through a thorough investigation. There is no proof of any kind or allegations or charges of any kind at the point in time during the six months period that he is guilty or, mm. you know, allegedly guilty of these charges. But, you know, since then, uh, a report has been given up, you know, the investigation is completed. So I think it's only right that he returned all the, the money that he has uh, perhaps accepted from the Prime Minister, you know, since the investigation started. And one can see also in Parliament, and I think certain, uh, you know, parliamentarians such as NCMP, Hazel Powell, has yeah. also come out to, you know, state her point and the opposition's perspective that, you know, why is he receiving that money? But I think at the point he was not guilty, and well, now we'll let the legal system, you know, Okay, so it really emphasizes the point at the start. Even right now, he's still not guilty. The courts haven't uh, decided that. So it technically, he could still carry on that suspension. But of course, uh, as you said, uh, go away and, and, and deal, deal with it on a blank canvas in that sense. So what happens, going back to the political system then, not to put you on the spot, but what does this do for the leadership handover? Everything was in place. And now you've got analysts commenting that the PAP is going to pay a political price. Yet we touched on earlier how Prime Minister Lee has, has made the right move in suspending him and, and taking him out of the system in that sense. So what are your thoughts going forward for the PAP? I, I for sure that there will be an impact on you know the PAP moving forward in the next general election. Opposition leaders will also harp on this particular issue. Once again, no one is infallible to human folly. I think I yeah. want to be clear yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think this will have impact on the PAP, you know, especially in the lineup, uh, you know, in the general election. But I think one thing has to be clear, you know, there was proper processes, there, there was detailed investigation into uh, uh, his activities. Yeah. So no one can get away if they have been charged accordingly and, you know, investigated accordingly. Yeah. So I think in that sense, there are good, there, there will be bad, you yeah. know, positives and negatives, uh, no matter how one sees it. You know, the yeah. positive is that there was due diligence, there was accountability, essentially, it, the PAP came out to make a point here. I think on the negative is that, well, if there is one, then yeah. there, there will be questions of, then how many more? might have, you know, gotten away with it or if there are any more. I mean, it's always going to be this sort of doubt, yeah. you know, yeah. in Singapore, Singaporeans' minds. But I think let's not go to the extreme, you know, let's not overreact. Yeah. and cast everyone, you know, in, in that same Correct. Uh, law. Correct. And, and that's what I love about Singapore and the legal system and why I'm a product of that legal system because <laughs> it is firm, it is fair, and you have that opportunity to defend yourself. You can't, you know, even if you anyhow go to someone's house, not going to do and threaten them, even that also you could get into trouble. So, you know, this is the good thing about Singapore. Although as a political observer, it must be quite uh, fun slash interesting to look at the next general election because West Coast GRC, <laughs> uh, last election, 51.69% of votes. Yeah. You can't help but think, okay, there's an East Coast situation to think about as well. So a lot on the minds of the PAP as they tap 
tactically plan the next elections. Mm, mm, definitely. <laughs> I think that's a really good observation there. I think there's been lots of discussion of what's going to happen to West Coast GRC. And I think, you know, in leading the next general election, there will be a lot of constituency that will be, you know, facing some challenges. You know, there, uh, for example, I think, you know, perhaps the Marine Parade, East Coast GRC, we have now, we've got Jurong GRC because we know <laughs> certain ministers have already left and now it's yeah. West Coast GRC. Yeah. But I, I think what's going to happen is that, you know, there, there, there have been so many of these sort of high-profile political office holders who have since left. Uh, the PAP might actually be hard-pressed to find suitable replacement, you know, just not just in, in West Coast GRC as well. But I think, importantly, there might also be electoral lines being redrawn. And we know that every time there's a jury election, the lines will be redrawn for whatever reasons there are, because we will never know anyway. But let's not be too quick to assume that West Coast GRC will necessarily be exactly what it is today. There might be a reduction of this five-member GRC to a four-member GRC with one or two SMCs being potentially carved out of West Coast or maybe subsumed mm-hmm. into Jurong GRC with a shift of other SMCs that you are SMC into something else again. So there will always be this sort of evolution and, you know, it's always evolving. So there could be so many possibilities and it's uh, certainly quite hard to tell at this juncture, you know. But I wouldn't be surprised if the lines are redrawn. But if they are not, then I guess the PAP would definitely face uphill task of, you know, getting the support from the people. Good time to get into government PR. Eh? <laughs> just saying, just saying. Um, is this an opportunity, and, and really from a PR point of view, if you don't mind, uh, Dr. Felix, is, is this an opportunity to enhance the code of conduct for ministers? A way to show that, hey, we've taken note, we learn as we evolve, and now it's they're held to even higher standards, well, at least to, to let the public know that. No, I, I think certainly, you know, there, there might be a relook or a re-examination of the code of conduct, especially for, you know, senior civil servants or ministers in this particular regard. But let's not be too draconian about it. You know, there is already a code of conduct in place. And I do believe that many, in fact, in a civil service still stringently adhere to the code of conduct. No, but nevertheless, you know, we might see some revenge or tightening of the process. But, you know, eventually we have also to think about this. Yeah. You know, there will always be individuals who will still find ways to circumvent these rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like what has been said before, the off-repeated lie. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a way, there's a will. You know? yeah. and so, so forth. I think, nonetheless, one wonders if these sort of things were to, you know, if these sort of things were to happen to, you know, perhaps a junior civil servant, though, mm. he or she may, might well have already been fired immediately yes. and possibly yes. without even any recourse to defend himself or herself. Yeah. So, yeah. I think this really opened up, you know, a can of worms in yeah. that sense, a Pandora box, so to speak. I wonder how much of the Pandora box affects the <laughs> Ministry of Trade, considering his former post. Mm, I think that's a good thing, but a good, good point that you've asked that as well. But I think, you know, this will we'll leave it up to, you know, perhaps the Ministry of Trade and Industry to resolve this issue internally, you know, allow them to relook at their processes at this point in time, whether there is a need to revamp it. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, not just MTI, you know, but also in many other ministries, we, we tend to look at senior civil servants in a different, uh, yeah. more respectful, yeah. perhaps, yeah. or we assume that they will no, do no wrong. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think there was a case in MFA where uh, a senior civil servant actually, you know, kind of like did something illegally about transporting yeah. certain things inside the briefcase as well. So there, while there are code of conduct, there will always be certain people that will break the rules. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is that, you know, who is going to look or ensure, look out for, you know, senior civil servants and whether they follow the rules as well. I mean, is, there seems to be a hierarchy, a structure, but yeah. who look, look at them if yeah. it's, you know, if, whether they cross the line or not? I think that is the bigger question. Yeah. I want to see if I can try and squeeze this in uh, 30 seconds about uh, Ong Beng Singh. What do you think is going to happen mm. to him? Mm. I think what we're going to see is that, you know, his case will come up shortly after yeah. perhaps as Iswaran's case is you know, about to end. So I think once the trial begins, you will see, you know, how it, how it progresses and whether the AGC or whether the CPIB or whatever it is will bring this uh, case against Aung Bing Singh by then. All right. So I've been speaking with Dr. Felix Tan, independent political observer. Thank you, sir, for your time. Take care and have a great Friday evening. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.